Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos. Thank you for joining us this week. We have a great guest this week that I I hope is going to make you laugh. And uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Before we do, I owe you a bonding tip of the week. So today's bonding tip of the week is talk to your cat in a high-pitched voice. And I think Bob's going to have a lot of fun with this one today. (laughs) But why do we talk to our cats in a high-pitched voice? Well, it's because studies have shown that cats actually prefer higher frequencies. And they can actually hear such at such a high level that they can hear bats chirping. And they can actually distinguish between different speed species of rodents' voices. Imagine that. So, you know, when you're laying in bed and your cat pops his head up and its eyes get real big and ears come forward, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I think my cat's seeing ghosts. Do they see spirits? I get asked that all the time. Probably not. They're probably hearing some interesting mouse conversation happening in the ceiling. So that's kind of why we use our baby voices with cats too. You hear us crazy cat ladies in shelters going, oh, hi, hello there, Fluffy. Aren't you cute today? And, you know, and that's that's why, because cats actually prefer it. It may also explain why cats are more drawn to women, because women's voices tend to be higher pitched. So your bonding tip this week is use your baby talk voice with your cat. <laughs> now, the moment you've been waiting for. Today, we're honored to have Bob Eckstein with us. Bob is an internationally known award-winning illustrator. And I know you've seen his cartoons, especially his cat cartoons in The New Yorker. He's also a New York Times bestseller. Now, he says he's not a cat expert, that he's a humor expert, but he's also an award-winning New York Times bestseller, New Yorker cartoonist, as I mentioned, adjunct professor at NYU, and hosts his own podcast that's all about humor, called The Cartoon Pad. So welcome to the show, Bob. Oh, thanks so much, Molly. This is really exciting. And that's a really interesting fact. I didn't know anything about this baby baby talking to cats. Yeah, they prefer it. We're not just crazy cat ladies, you know? (laughs) Now you reached, I was going to say, you reached out to me and sent me your new book. It's called The Complete Book of Cat Names that your cat won't listen or won't answer to anyway. And this book came out August 8th, just this past week on International Cat Day, of course. And now I'm thinking, well, I sure wish I'd have had this book when I was naming all those cats in the shelter. And what a wonderful resource this is for our listeners who foster kittens. And just for you listeners to know, you got to, I know you're already Googling it, but the book is available on bookshop.org and Amazon, of course. But Bob, tell us a little bit about this great book. No, thank you. And I, I might have to change the name 
to the complete book of cat names that your cat won't answer to anyway, even if you're talking a baby voice. <laughs> exactly. And that's a little long. Uh, th- this book is not just for cat names. It's basically because all of us have gone through a lot. You know, with the pandemic and everything that's happened in this country the last few years, I really, my goal is just to make people laugh. I want people to get away, have an escape in the same way they use their pet to relax and to escape too. This book was meant to just be fun. And it also has some cat advice in it. And it has some fun facts. And it has cat cartoons. It's got like 40 cartoons that are just meant to make you laugh because I always say to myself, um, things can't get worse, but they can get funnier. <laughs> and, you know, that's any time we're in a stressful, anxious or depressing time, it's always best to try to find the humor in it and count your blessings, if nothing else, because, you know, it can't hurt, right? What choice do we have? <laughs> I think you're right. I mean, um, and cats are so fun. They're funny. They're fun. And so it was just a great topic to dive into and um, have fun with. I love coming up with the different names. And it also gave me a chance to engage with my audience. So I asked everyone to give me their cat names that they liked. And I went through thousands and picked the the best, most interesting ones. And uh, it was just a fun process. Everyone, you know, emailing me and texting me their cat names and giving me a chance to uh, talk about their cat. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I did was, I said, if anybody wanted to buy a copy of the book, I would draw their cat. And I didn't oh. realize how much people love to see a drawing of their cat. And I did a, a lot of those. And, and that was a lot of fun. Oh, my. Yeah. If you offer that, that's going to become a full-time job right there. <laughs> I'm going to have to just go and get like a whole staff of people working on cat drawings. <laughs> right. <laughs> I wish you had reached out to me before you wrote the book about cat names, because, you know, one of the things I did for the the Dallas shelter was a lot of the cats come in and it says name unknown. We came in as a stray. And so I would go around and name them all. And I had my own list going. Now, one of my personal favorites is Babalugats, the character from Cool Hand Luke that collects all the money, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Babalugats. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. It is. And of course, you'd call him Baba, you know? <laughs> but- yeah, I see that coming a long way off. That's going to be condensed down to a nickname. Yes. Kind of like my cat's name is Pico de Gato. Not Pico de Gallo, <laughs> but Pico de Gato, which which roughly translates to, you know, a, a cat with a chicken beak, which makes absolutely that's, no that's sense. That's funny. There, if you have um, a three-legged cat in the shelter, I have, a good name is Tripod. Yes. Yeah. That's a fun name. If you're into Hollywood, if you're a Hollywood person, James Spaded. <laughs> that's I'm a just going to add some levity. So every time you name the cat, it brings a smile to, to those around us. Yep. Yep. That's, I, I love that. I always, I, I'm really drawn to orange cats. And so I usually go the food route, right? It's Cheeto and Dorito and Gouda yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and that, and that kind of thing with snack foods. And then I had a, a foster litter and I had kimchi Peanut and mango. <laughs> Where those well, I got those in the book. Those are obvious ones, but 
well, kimchi, I maybe is the new one. That's I like that a lot. That mm-hmm. might be in the second edition. There you go. Yeah, you'll have if you write a second edition, definitely reach out to me and and I can help. And I have a, about a million fosters that have done nothing but name litters of kittens for decades that that will have some of their favorites too. They can send you. That's fun. Well, we, broke, we, we broke down the book in subjects. So you mentioned food. There is like a foodie section. So if you're a foodie, you just go to that section. If you're a doctor, you go to that section. If you, you know, into sports. So we're, we're trying to accommodate those in search and really trying to address the most important decision they'll make in their life. <laughs> That's true because you have to say it forever. I, my cat before this one's name was Tabasco. Because I, I always, like I said, I'm, I'm drawn to the orange, reddish orange cats, and so I, uh, and, and I always seem to name them. You know, I, I had uh, mango chutney was one of my fosters once that was orange. <laughs> of course, you know when I say it's the most important decision in your life, you know you don't know if the right name is going to make your cat go viral on TikTok. Well, that's it, true. It begins with the right name and just making your cat a star and, and a celebrity. I I posted a meme to our Facebook page yesterday, and it had uh, three cats in in ties and kind of little suit and tie, and it and it said the law offices of Meowski, Clawson, <laughs> and Purtle. <laughs> <laughs> and then it says, call me out, 1-800-CLAWYERS. <laughs> okay, I have to ask. So how long did you invest in, in creating this post? Oh, I, did, I didn't make the meme. I, I took it off a friend's page, but I, I thought the names were, were funny. And so you may have to use a, or, or do you have a, a legal section in the name? Of course I do. I would be, ah. of course, I. this is a very responsible book. There's nothing left out. But I have to say, that was a good good spending of time. That post is very funny. That's a very funny one. Um, for the law and the attorneys of out there who own cats, we have uh, plenty of choices. They're also too busy to name their cat a proper name. So that's where the book comes in, in handy. Yeah. Good reference book. Now, what are some, uh, some of your other favorite parts of this book? There's a, my friend's cat is a bubblicious and we have variations of that name, just a whole chapter. And I defy anyone to go through this list without not losing themselves and having a spit take. If they could say all the names, these are all names that are just too cute for words, like Mr. Bumbles. And it goes on and on. And I just got a kick out of that page because it really is impossible to get through the whole, the whole list. <laughs> That's fun. You know, in the, in the shelter, in the, in the, uh, in the little box that takes the name and the software that runs the shelter, it has a limitation of characters, which always, because I, I like Captain Snuggle Pants, you know, <laughs> That's a good one. And it would never fit in there. And I'd right. always try to, you know, abbreviate it and it would just be C-A-P-T snuggle, you know, which was. Okay, and then you but, have to sell for cupcake or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'd hand write it in actually on the printed card on their kennel so that people would get the idea. Exactly. <laughs> there is some important, serious things about the book. There is some public service um, parts to this, such as. There is a driving test for cats and helping your cat get that license. 
And um, <laughs> that's important. There's also a very important part about your relationship with your cat. I mean, um, how is the relationship? Is it a healthy one? Or have you been avoiding girlfriends and boyfriends because of your your cat? Where or has cats? Your cat been in your life? <laughs> or cats? So there's, a, there's always these important decisions. Um, your loved one or your cat? There are times in which you have to choose. Yeah. Now you shared with me that you don't have a cat because your wife's allergic. So clearly you like cats. How, how did how did you allow that to happen? I could not write such an amazing book on cats if I didn't like cats. So that's a given. But cats um, and my wife, you know, they don't necessarily click. And I, I must add, not all her fault. We travel a lot. I've been um, I've been actually traveling the last two months for research for an, another book I'm working on that's very exciting about museums. Mm. And I go to museums, and so it's very hard to to have a pet and to constantly be on the road. In my case, it's it's for me a little bit tricky because I love not just cats but love dogs, and I would have both. Yeah, my wife is is allergic, and so um, you know if you want to discuss like the merits of getting rid of the spouse. I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's, it was a clear cut decision. <laughs> we went back and forth quite a bit. Um, but ultimately um, I went for the least confrontational decision. Um, <laughs> you know, that was always back when I was single, it was always one of the very first questions right after, of course, are you married was, you know, um, are you allergic to cats? Because yeah, yeah. You know, if the answer was yes, I clearly that just wasn't going to work. You know, I come home from the shelter some days with so much cat hair on me. If I was ever around anybody who was allergic, they would probably just drop dead. So that was never going to work. So I, I, I just made sure I didn't get myself in your situation at the outset. I had a buddy who had like a dozen cats. And as soon as you walked in the house, you, you kind of knew. But I've also been in houses where everything in the house was a cat memento of some sort, like a little knickknack or something. <laughs> yeah. They had cat everything, the whole house. And I would ask, do you have any cats? <laughs> you know, maybe it's enough that your whole house is devoted <laughs> as a shrine to cats, but there's actually no cats. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I do have to ask you, have you ever been to one of the purebred cat shows, you know, like the cat fancy cat shows. Have you ever been to one of those? No, I watch on TV though. There was oh. something on TV and I have uh, reported on the kitten bowl for the New York times, but I haven't been one in person. Why do you ask? Oh, you have to go I'm missing out on truly that I have to go to. Oh yes. It, it, it is the funniest, absolutely funniest thing you'll, you'll ever see. I mean, first of all, it's fascinating because there are all these cat breeds and, you know, dogs are bred for behavior, but cats are bred for aesthetics. So at the root of everything, most all cats are the same in terms of the way that they, that they behave. Cat's a cat, but you know, the, the suit it wears can be quite different in what it looks like. So, you know, you've got everything from naked cats to these gigantic, huge, you know, forest cats with long hair and stuff like that. That's fascinating. But the people that go to the show take pride in decorating their cat cages, right? So the cats stay in these, you know, usually they're maybe two feet by three feet or four feet type 
tabletop cages and the owners are sitting there on their collapsible chairs and they're grooming and oiling and cleaning the cat's eyes and all the things you see in dog shows, but they decorate the kennels unlike they do in dog shows. And you just have to go see it (laughs) to understand how funny it is. It is really funny. I just came from the country fair and we went to the rabbit section and they usually have a chicken section, which is now closed off because of of health reasons. Hmm. But the the rabbit section, the cages are sometimes decorated with badges and stuff. Do the cat owners do that at those shows? Oh, yeah. Previous wins. Yeah, yeah. They definitely hang all their ribbons, but but they've got themes like, you know, one will be like a little lacy dollhouse, you know, (laughs) with little furniture and things like that. And one will be all in pink leopard. And, you know, it's 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 pretty funny. <laughs> it's great. You know, it's making me think that like, you know how there's a stereotype with moms and children doing, you know, the beauty pageants and the yes. sort of thing. And they're doing it with the cats. You feel like you need to reach out and develop a support group for the cats who might not be on board with this stardom and the sort of being paraded like this. <laughs> I think he just coined a new word, paraded around. <laughs> yeah, I mean the dog show is now being made had been kind of made fun of by Best in Show. Is it a lot like that? Yes. Yeah. It it is, but different. But in but in a cat way, you just if you ever get the opportunity, you you must go. I, I think you'll find lots and lots of great material there. Not to mention, like I said, it is very fascinating to see see the different breeds, you know, I mean, clearly, you know, my whole business and, and time is devoted towards shelter cats. So I, I don't, I don't have purebred cats. I don't buy from breeders, but there's nothing wrong with breeders. I just don't do that. So I always think it's fun to go look at, you know, look at the different kinds because they sure are pretty. We do have a purebred Bengal in the shelter right now though. And that, that doesn't happen very often. So, so tell me, have you always been an artist? Yeah, and I, I just want to add, I was I was trying to go to CatCon in Pasadena. Ah, yeah. I wound up having to work and speak at the Irma Bombeck uh, convention. There's sort of a conflict. The, the the circle of the humor conventions and stuff kind of uh, overlapped the CatCon. But will you be going to CatCon? You know, um, probably not. Um, I have don't I've never been to a CatCon. I actually grabbed the domain catcondallas.com at some point thinking that that would be something that I would love to organize and make happen in in Dallas but uh but never had the extra bandwidth to make that happen but I have lots of friends um Jackson Galaxy and Kitten Lady Hannah Shaw and people like that 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 go and it is a great it it is a great event and fun yeah. I, I do well, think it's kind of caused both off guard because I just found out about because for a while they didn't have it because of COVID. Yes. So I didn't know it came back. And so I didn't prepare like I could have, but maybe in the future. Yeah. Yeah. It it travels around. So it's in different cities. You'll get an opportunity to do that again. And you should. It's 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 fun. Lots, lots of good things like oh, that. And, what? you know, the cat industry, so to speak, is there's a lot of conventions and and shows about cats. I mean, 
Best Friends Animal Sanctuary puts on a national conference and, of course, the Humane Society. So there's all kinds of national conferences we could probably plug you into. You would be a a great addition to something like that. Yeah, I've heard that there's actually a cat sanctuary on Roosevelt Island in New York City where I'm talking to you from. Oh, wow. I didn't know there was a cat sanctuary there. It's a very interesting place. It's a separate island that you have to take a tram to come over. And um, it's, um, yeah, it's known for a lot of other things because it used to be where pr- a prison used to be for, for New York City. But now it's a cat sanctuary, and I hope there's no connection there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, cats always feel if you're, if you're confining them in any way, it just freaks them out. It's, it's the weirdest thing. It's the one thing, you know, cats must have choice because when they have choice, they feel like they're in control and, and in command which is just in a cat's DNA. You know, a dog has evolved with social hierarchy and it sees us as their pack leaders. And so, you know, they have a purpose and uh, I'm supposed to be obeying you and following you and making you happy. Well, a cat, none of those thoughts crosses its mind and it just wants to be in charge. And anytime you take choices away, then the cat just's mind thinks, okay, what's beyond that closed door? What's over that fence? What, you yeah, know, yeah. and it becomes obsessed with that. <laughs> I, I find your answer so interesting. I really enjoy your show. And I feel like, I know I'm going to get back to the question of when I began art. I'm sorry I went on this segue, but no, it's okay. It's, I'm, I'm curious to know if you went to like cat college or how is it that you know so much about cats from these shows? Because you bring up points that I never thought of before. I, n- I never mm-hmm. thought there and, was so much to it. Like, well, and yeah, and, and you know, that's that's true. First of all, I've spent uh, probably 30 plus years of my life, you know, serving cats in shelters on a, on a volunteer and, and contract basis since since I did start my business. And then, yes, I went to the Animal Behavior Institute and I started the program thinking, oh, I can just I can test out of this. I know everything there is to know about cats. Well, I was shocked at what I didn't know. And I thought, well, why don't we why don't we know these things? How, how come people don't know these things? I mean, I would take totally different care of my cat. And I thought I took really good care of my cats, you know, I, but I, I had do so much different now, you know, like, like they eat 10 to 20 small meals a day in the wild, you know, well, well, who knew? And here we're feeding cats twice a day. That's not natural to the species and, and can make them feel really you know, like, oh my gosh, there's not enough, you know, and that creates behavior issues. So yeah, I, I was just amazed. And that's what I did. I didn't set out to, to get my certifications and, and I've gotten several more since then, but I didn't set out to do that so that I could start a nonprofit. It was only in that process of learning all of these things about cats. I thought this information has to get out there. And I think if people knew this, they might understand the motivation behind some of the annoying and and nuisance behaviors that cats do that land them in the shelter. And I started the nonprofit because of that. So you're right. There is a huge amount of, 
you know, I don't want to call it trivia, but cat facts and species information that is just not generally known and and connected. You know, I, I also think there's some that's known, but then people don't connect the dots. So what does that mean in terms of why my cat's behaving that way? You know? Yeah. I mean, this is all fascinating to me. I'm going to promote this on my social media because people oh, who thank you. cats are going to find it so interesting. I found myself you know, going back to some of your old episodes and, and then listening to another and then listening to another because <laughs> one was getting more weird and interesting than the other. You, you never know there was so much complexity to that little cat brain. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. And like I said, that's probably why we're on our 180th or whatever episode is because I just never seem to run out of cat material. (laughs) And you too. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to answering your question. You asked me yesterday was, uh, or a few hours ago um, and where I began my art. Yeah. And it's not something that um, I I just drew as a kid, like everyone else. I I can't think of a, a specific time necessarily, but I always liked humor I grew up in the city in the South Bronx, and I tried to make my family laugh at the dinner table. They were a tough audience, <laughs> and they were really primed me to becoming better at my craft of trying to be funny. And then when I was a teenager, I began doing columns for different places. I, I did a, a humor piece for New York Newsday, a weekly. I worked for the Village Voice and all sorts of different magazines, and it kind of grew. I went to uh, college, and then I went to art mm-hmm. school. So I learned how to be an illustrator, and then I went up teaching when I graduated. Mm-hmm. So and um, I've been doing that for a long time and really challenging myself. I love learning about new things. I am an, the only world's like snowman expert. I wrote a book on the subject, and I'm making a movie on it. And I researched that topic for like seven years, traveling around the world. And so I love embracing like what are the mysteries in the world? And, and that can be anything from like who made the first sandwich to why cats land on the feet when they fall. <laughs> and, you know, I saw that, that you were a snowman expert. And I thought, hmm, <laughs> tell us about that. Well, I consider that one of the earliest forms of folk art and something, Mm -hmm. one of the few activities we share with our prehistoric ancestors is something that we've, we always wanted to depict ourselves. We were making selfies, you know, back in the cave time. And so I tried to give this art form its due. And I researched the subject with the help of the leading art historians and professors in culture. And together, we all collected this puzzle of who did make the first snowman? Why did man make these snowmen? And it goes back in time. And we found all this evidence that's fascinating. Oh, wow. You know, it's funny. It's like it, kind of like the podcast, your podcast, and we, we just said, when you deep you dive deeper into the subject, you uncover things that on the surface you don't see, but there's just something else to it each time you dig deeper. And that's uh, really exciting for me to constantly be learning and, and then sharing what I learned with others. That's great. That Yeah, it is. And, and like, and clearly, how, how do you feel like you 
came to know cats because you don't live with one and and you know a lot about their their behaviors because you express that in the cartoons. But where do you think you draw that from? Well, I'm going to approach that question a different way. The reason why I wrote this book is the same reason I wrote my other books. The why I wrote about snowmen or why I wrote about bookstores. I walk into a bookstore and I ask myself, what do people want to read? What do people want? And how can I provide that? How can I make it refreshing? Take a topic, a subject. I was inspired by this movie decades ago, um, Batman by Tim Burton. Mm -hmm. When the movie came out, people expected it to be like the campy TV show and just a silly kid show. And instead, he came out with this movie that was dark and it was starring um, Keaton. I'm trying to think of his first name. Um, who's the actor who played Batman, the first movie? Oh, you know, you get Michael, me. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. There you go. Right. So now I'm not necessarily in love with the movie. I'm in love with the premise. I'm in love with the idea of taking a, a subject we take for granted or something in our life that we always have with us, but we haven't given it enough attention to. So, so for that, you know, it was bookstores. I feel sorry for bookstores. I'm trying to help them. I try to raise awareness. And I speak on the subject of helping independent bookstores around the country constantly. And I do it on op-eds and in radio. And then same with Snowman and same with Cats. During the pandemic, I wanted to come up with a book that people would just enjoy. I, I see everyone pained and there's so much bad stuff that happened the last few years. Everyone has lost someone in their family or, you know, indirectly some mm -hmm. way. It's been very tough. So I wanted to do something that's light. I wanted to do something. People love cats. So it's just like a sort of a love letter to cats, something that's just fun. I wouldn't consider this the next Moby Dick. And I'm not going to get a pull surprise, <laughs> but I do know already that people love the book. And I tell you one thing that's very satisfying is that some of my favorite comedians have written me and told me that the book was hysterical. I've heard from the funniest people in the world who told me that I made them laugh. And that's extremely flattering and puts me in cloud nine. It makes me feel like it was, it was worth the trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it is fun to make people laugh. It's infectious. And it, you know, people do tend to focus on the bad things and the, you know, rather than the funny things. And my husband's really good at always coming up with something funny or some funny little quip or, you know, sometimes it's so silly. You, you want to gag, but I appreciate the attempt, but you know, it's always great to have people around you that are lighthearted and lifting things up rather than, than it being so heavy and down. Especially when it's coming from your spouse. I mean, you know, to get the support, I, I heard your husband on the, on an episode or two, <clears throat> he was on the one with the shelters. Yes. I know that. And you could tell he's really supportive and he's like totally on board. And that, that's great. I mean, he could have easily been a, a dog person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I actually found a cat guy. <laughs> no, no, no. Now, when you guys met, did, did you have that the big question? Oh, yeah. Like I said, I was one of the first things I ask is, are you allergic to cats? And 
you know, have you had cats and do you like cats and, and that kind of thing. And I don't think anybody could have met me and not known that, you know, the answer to all that better be, no, I'm not allergic to cats and, oh, I adore them. <laughs> but, but he actually had a couple cats, not when we met, thank goodness, because joining cat families, oh my gosh, that's got to be difficult. But he yeah. had had, you know, had previously owned cats. And now he's not into having a lot of cats and neither am I because I realize what it takes to properly care for a cat. And I only have so much time in a day. And I also know that they evolved as a solitary species. So they probably prefer to be the only cat. You know, my my cat, I, I have one, Pico de Gato. And he, he'll tell plugging that cat. Always dropping <laughs> right. <that name. laughs> well, see, just like your book, you know, I like saying his name. <laughs> so you gotta be, you gotta make sure you pick a good cat name or you won't want to say it. <laughs> but Okay. He, okay. He'll, you <laughs> what, know, what's he, your cat's name again? I forgot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he'll tolerate the fosters I have, you know, for a little bit. And then you can tell he's, he's over it. And and he get I can just tell these starts body slamming them and things like that and like okay mom it's time for these little bastards to go you know and I want to be the only cat they were entertaining for a month or so but now I want to be king cat again so he's a he's a good sport though we love him and we travel a lot you know we we travel quite a bit mostly by car. And uh, and we take him. We just we've been taking him with us ever since he was a kitten. So he travels quite nicely with us. Oh, that's great. You know, it's it is funny going back to the dating. How that is a question now. It, it used to be, um, you know, back in the day, you said, "Are you on the pill?" And now that means, <laughs> "Are you taking Benadryl?" <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because that is the big question. I mean, everyone I know in Brooklyn, it's cats or no cats. Yeah. And, and you know, it is fun. It, it is clearly, as you were alluding to, this is an extremely divisive point in history for humanity. And, and I think it has illuminated more things like, are you a dog person or are you a cat person? I even heard on the radio yesterday, they were stereotyping, saying that that interviewers, job interviewers, HR departments were actually asking, are you a cat person or a dog person? And then us making assumptions about how detail-oriented or how introverted or extroverted that person's going to be. And I, I found those stereotypes um, not to be true at all, certainly not in my own personal perception of myself and my own personality. I don't think I fall into that stereotypical category, but it is amazing how it it's very black and white. Either you're this or you're or you're that. Yep. When you first said this country's so divisive, I immediately thought, oh, does Molly mean the dog cat division <laughs> is that because you're right. There is a stereotype, although it's fading a little bit. That was built. That stereotype was built on pop culture TV where you had, you know, um, you know the cat owners would tend to be women and dogs would be owned mm -hmm. by men in a sort of a sort of weird, you know, happy days sort of time of, of our lives in TV, but TV Kids don't even watch TV, I learned. You know, people don't right. have that connection. One of the reasons why there is a big division in our country, just one of the reasons, is because before there was like just a few TV channels 
And people would talk about common shows and bond over them. People would all watch, let's say, the Mary Tyler Moore show or the Bob Newhart show. And there would be these common shows that brought us together. And that's not the case with hundreds of channels and different ways of watching TV. I mean, you have to be Rockefeller now to watch everything because you have to subscribe to Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, mm-hmm. and in a way that's kind of made it seem as though our country is even more isolated culturally because we don't have common things that we like. Yeah, true, true. I hadn't thought about that. That is that is very true. I and was really, just profound for a minute. Wow. You were. Oh my gosh, I don't even know what to say now. <laughs> <laughs> I should drop the mic. <laughs> so I'm going to, I don't know what else to ask you at this point. <laughs> so yeah, We covered so much and yet we've gone nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, I, I hope our listeners find that uh, somewhat interesting and haven't already turned us out. <laughs> but you can, uh, well, tell us, is there anything, anything left about your book, this book in particular, you have many, but um I'm assuming most people tuning into the show are uh, are unlike you. They have cats and have a real passion for cats. And so uh, is there anything else about the complete book of cat names that your cat won't answer to anyway that you want to share with our audience? Well, there's important things in the book. I will I will say that. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a guide to determining whether you have an inside cat or an outside cat. I cover some of the aspects of your topics and take it a different way <laughs> and take it to a, to some weird places. But the main thing is I, I hope that people who do buy the book, I first want to say thank you and hope you enjoy it. I mean, it's just meant for a good laugh. And I do want people to connect. I, I like doing things that connect people. So I want to connect with your podcast and, and give it some love on my social media. And I invite people to, Come on and try to find me on Facebook, on Instagram or Twitter. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll spell my name. This way you can share your cat picture and you could uh, even carry on this conversation and ask me and Molly questions there, which is always fun. Yeah. I know. I always think of questions after it's over. Yeah, me too. After everything is over, I always say, oh, you know, I wish I kind of asked why cats are not driving motorcycles more frequently or or whatever it may be. (laughs) Uh-huh. And so this is your chance. Please. I, I love connecting. I, I will answer. And um, yeah, and I had a great time being here. Let me, let me share my name. Yeah. It's uh, Bob Eckstein. And it's spelled uh, E-C-K-S-T-E-I-N. And if you try to connect with me online, um, any listeners out there, I'll connect back. Yeah. And I will do so in a baby voice. <laughs> right. Well, thank you. It's been so nice. <laughs> You're going to use that. I can tell. <laughs> oh, it's, it's percolating in my head right now. Try to monetize this into a joke. <laughs> All right, Bob. Well, thank you. I can't thank you enough for, for joining us on Cat Talk Radio today. And I look forward to, to continuing this dialogue with you over the years in whatever way we can do that. Certainly, I want to be consulted for your second edition of this book. <laughs> yeah, I apologize for that. I'm going to have to give you a whole chapter at least. Yeah, I, I want Baba Lugats in there. 
<laughs> That's number four. I'm counting. <laughs> but I really enjoyed talking with you, and, and thanks for having me on your show. It was it was a uh, pleasure and an honor. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. And everybody listening, please go out there and find Bob on social media and and us also. You can find us at catbehaviorsolutions.org. And of course, we're on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect as well. So until next time, keep calm and purr on. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.